fascinating. We are all singing one song, right, with one voice united. This is what God has established. When we crown him Lord of all, one of the things that he does to reflect his glory is he creates a community for himself. I'm going to read a section that Paul writes, God writes through Paul in 1 Corinthians, and it talks about this unity. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the, th by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. We are made to be a body. We are made to be united. How might God be speaking to us through this word? Let's take some time to reflect, and if God so provokes you to confess before him. Father, we thank you that you are a God. There's one, and you are one spirit who has worked unity among your people. Lord, what do you want us to hear? Speak now, we ask. Lord, we know that you penned these words through Paul to a church to tell them what is true, but also to expose to them how they are not living. So Lord, where we may need to hear this voice, where we need to hear this word, please speak it into us. Bring us to a place where we are recentered on you, where we repent, and where we are manifesting the unity that you desire for us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God spoke to his people long ago, to the nation of Israel, and so he speaks to us the same way those of us who are centered in Jesus. He is working in us to show his glory to the world, and one of the ways he does that is by uniting us by the one spirit. This is some words from the prophet Isaiah. For Zion's sake, I will not keep, and for, keep silent, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not be quiet until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a burning torch. The nations shall see your righteousness and all the kings your glory, and you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. So shall your God rejoice 
over you. And all God's people said, thanks be to God. The whole earth is filled with his glory. That is, the, whether we know it or not, that is the longing of our hearts to see that happen. For the kingdom of God to come on earth like that as it already is in heaven. And so when we begin to get glimpses of that, when our, when our hearts are longing for it, maybe because we don't see it, God invites us to believe it's true and then to respond to him by giving of ourselves, by giving of our lives, because that is how his glory spreads. Father, we acknowledge that your glory is we do not add to it, we reflect it. And the only way for us to reflect it is if you shine it upon us. So we are dependent upon you to reveal to us your glory. Please do that. And as you do that, open up our hearts and our minds and our hands and our possessions to give as you have given to us. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to give a thank, even though he's not here, thank Brian Post for last... Um, month speaking with us and to us and walking with us during that time. If you didn't hear <coughs> that series, he did a series on walking through the desert, being in the desert. Um, deserts. Difficult circumstances, deserts, often reveal and I think help us to evaluate what do we really believe? Don't they? I know for me, when, I, when I'm pressed the real Joey comes out, and the real truth about not what I say I believe, but what I actually believe starts to come out. So here's my question, rhetorical. Not everything that I'm going to ask today is rhetorical, but this one is. What centers us? What centers you? Everybody has their own explanation of this, right? Whether you're a follower of Jesus or not. May, maybe you haven't thought about it, but we all have something that centers us. When it comes to the Christian life and Christian community, this isn't rhetorical. We do have an answer to that, don't we? What centers us? Jesus, right? The story of the gospel. This isn't some big mystery. Does that mean that it's actually that way, though? As a matter of fact, I would say the Christian life is a journey of wandering and returning, of acknowledging our misalignment and then realigning this is what we call repentance and faith. It is the heartbeat and it is the rhythm of the Christian life. Don't be surprised. Therefore, the community of Jesus must continually recenter on the gospel of Jesus. Continually. We don't get away from this. Over the next few weeks, that's going to be leading up to Lent, so we have about five weeks until then, we're going to ask some big questions to help us recenter. And here are the questions. So we'll, we'll look, through, look at these over the weeks. How are we to be led? Who are we? And what story actually shapes us? Those are some pretty big questions, aren't they? I think they're questions that we're asking in our particular situation. But these are questions that we need to keep asking always. These need to be continued to, flesh, to be fleshed out way beyond the next five weeks, right? But what we want to do is kind of frame the conversation moving forward. So today... 
we're going to ask that first question. How are we led? How does God lead us? And we could look at lots of different places throughout Scripture and pick and choose. But what I want to do to kind of ground us is look at Acts chapter 1. So if you have a Bible, please open it up to Acts 1. We're going to read excerpts out of Acts 1. So I won't read every single verse, but we will be looking at particular parts of it. So if you ha- that's why I encourage you, if you have your Bible, you can look back add it to see where we are in this text. So this is God's word to us again this morning from Acts 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Pause. As we're reading this, I want you to listen for how God might be saying he wants to lead us. Picking up in verse 4. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And when he had said these things, as he was looking, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount Mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James." All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers, the company of persons was about 120, and said, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share and, and was allotted his share in this ministry. For it is written in the book of Psalms, may his camp become desolate and let there be no one to dwell in it, and let another take his office. So one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, One of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. And they put forward two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice, and Matthias, and they prayed and said, you Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go his own way. And they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. Father God, as we listen to the words that you had penned through Luke long ago, historic situation, it is pivotal for us to hear what you have to say to us today. The spirit that inspired these words, who is recounting the historic realities needs to be the same spirit that presses this into us today. So please help us see how you lead. And in the midst of this, we ask that Jesus would be lifted up, that we would see him. For we pray this all in his name. Amen. 
So how do we see God leading these first followers of Christ? Here's the question for us. There's so much here. Um, We could talk about lots of different things, and we're going to look at it in little sections, but please keep this in mind as we look at it in parts. It is not to be dissected. It is a whole. God leads us through these different elements as a whole. They're not to be standalones. It's not independent. So here are the six elements that we're going to look into. God leads us by his spirit in communion with his word for his mission to himself through Jesus. Okay, we're going to look at each one of those. And remember, these are all to be taken together. And these should all be in your bulletin. If you have a bulletin, they're listed there. By his spirit. Why do we say that? Well, that one seems pretty obvious, doesn't it? So verse 5, Jesus said, John baptized with water, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then in 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then the section we didn't read, but if we were to go on into chapter 2, the day of Pentecost arrives, and it says they were all together and they were filled with what? Who? The Holy Spirit. All right? God leads by His Spirit. Now, what that means is deep and profound, and we're not about to plumb the depths of that right now. But for starters, it does mean this. God is personally present in power with his people. God is personally present in power with his people. The followers of Jesus may not have seen him face to face after Jesus went back into the clouds, right? But the Spirit of God and of Christ did come to them and does come to us. One Spirit. We read that earlier, right, in that Corinthians passage. There's one Spirit that unites us. I'll be honest. Hopefully I'm trying to always be honest. I'm sure I'm not always, but I'm trying to be honest. I have a lot to learn about how the Spirit leads, okay? Some of you are far, much farther down that road, and I'm grateful for you. How is it that we're going to learn to listen to and to be led by the Spirit? How does this happen? Well, The next aspects that we're going to look at are actually the ways that God leads us by His Spirit. So let's move on to that. He leads in communion. Okay, I'm using this term, which is a broad term, intentionally. The idea of communion, which is intimate sharing of life, like that's generally what communion means. It's multifaceted. Where do we see communion here in the passage? Well, first, Like the people were isolated in their own homes, right? That's what they were doing. They were all by themselves alone. Is that true? No, no. They were what? They were together. They were conversing. And we'll later see they were worshiping together and they were serving together. God led them as they were living life together, engaging each other, struggling over serious, this is serious stuff they're dealing with, serious issues together, working, conversing together. Might this be part of how he wants to lead us? How he wants to lead Faith Church? This doesn't mean God won't lead you personally, like privately. I'm not saying he doesn't do that, but here he led them together, not in isolation, isolation from each other. We need each other. If you want to hear the voice of God, we need each other. So if we just hang out together and we talk together, is that all that it takes for God to lead us? No, because communion goes beyond just being together. This is one of the unique characteristics of Jesus' community, right? 
We are not just in communion with each other. That's, that's big and that's important, but that's not preeminent, is it? Their communion together was also with God. Verse 14, all these with one accord were devoting themselves to what? To prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and the brothers. Then as they were looking for who they were going to um, have filled Judas's spot, verse 24, it says they, they prayed. They didn't know what to do next, so they prayed. When you don't know what to do next, <laughs> might be a good place to start. Pray. They called out to God, literally asking for his direction in verse 24. So yes, they were looking for specific answers, and that is a wonderful way to go to God. But they were also living in conversation with God before that, weren't they? As they, it's almost, it's almost like, I, mean, I know this would be crazy, but it's almost like they believed God cared. <laughs> it's almost like they thought God was actually listening, almost as if he was present. That's a crazy thought, isn't it? Communion, talking together and with God is essential if we're going to listen for God's voice. There are so many practical implications of this. Um, this is not something to simply programmatize. Talking with and listening to each other and talking and listening to God is something that needs to be woven into the fabric of our lives. Though this is not a program, sometimes we do need disciplines to help weave this into our lives, don't we? Some things that need to be weaved into my life, life does not just happen. Maybe we need to create space for not just being together, but intentionally seeking the face of God together. Might this be something God is inviting us into more and more? Okay, lots of opportunities for this talking about our community, the faith community, or maybe you're connected to other communities. Lots of opportunities in small communities. There's also time when we come together corporately. This is in part what we are do. We are in conversation and communion with God. There's also times to designate coming together in prayer. So this happens, I know. And over the last several months, we've had times on Tuesday afternoon, 2.30, and also Thursday evening at 7 o'clock, where we are communing together before God. It's a led time. You don't have to just come and um, just play with your thumbs and figure out what to do. It's actually led. These are opportunities for us to come together in communion before God. If that is something you're interested in, you can take opportunity to do so. Callie Redfield has fortunately offered her time and has been leading that. If you want to connect with her or if you would like to become a team, because eventually we need a team to continue facilitating and leading this. If that is of interest to you, reach out to Callie. If you don't know Callie, call the office. Talk to one of the elders. I'm just throwing out something, right? We need not programs, but we need something to bring us together. If we want God to lead us and to show us himself we need to be together corporately. If we want him to show his goodness and his presence, not only to us, but through us, to a watching community, we need communion together bef before him. So do we simply have to listen really hard, get into some meditative trance to hear his voice? Is that all? So were these first disciples, did they simply gather around and pray and wait? Okay, trick question, don't answer it, okay? Is that all that they did? Well, they did wait and they did pray, but that's not all they did. They weren't inactive. They were not without guidance. Well, Jesus first had spoken to them and he instructed them. 
Okay, we get that. All right, that's a voice into their life. Then look what Paul did even when they were together praying. All right, listen to this. This is in verse 15 and following. In those days, Peter, excuse me, Peter, not Paul. If I say Paul any time from here on out, I meant Peter, okay? <laughs> Have I said Paul before that? Okay, okay. So Peter stood up among the brothers, the company, of, the company was about 120, and said, brothers, the scriptures had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas. For it is written in the book of Psalms. Where's the book of Psalms? Oh yeah, in that book. He just talked about the scriptures. May his camp become desolate and let there be no one to dwell in it and let another take its office. These were Jewish men and women. They knew where to go to hear God's voice. The word of the Lord is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Scripture reveals to us not only a story of the Hebrew people, which it does, and the human condition, which it does, it's also referred to as the word of Yahweh, of God. It's the breath of God. We might even say it's the, the oxygen of God. Well, yeah, our only mission, we're going to dissect it, is to be witnesses to his mission. That requires us first to be beneficiaries of his mission, right? I think sometimes we miss that. We don't go out and, and be witnesses of something that hasn't first transformed us. We are witnesses of Christ's redemption and salvation, which means we need to be redeemed and saved so that we can go forth to be beneficiaries of this in order to therefore be embodiments of his mission, to, to carry it to others as it is being poured into us. As it's changing us, we move forth. We're embodiments of this. As we're caught up in the rescue of Jesus, we are renewed and we are restored as what? What are we, we being restored to? Well, as God's image bearers. Are y'all tracking with me? I know this is so much. Are you good? Are you okay? Kind of, or have I lost everybody? <laughs> We're image bearers. Where does that come from? Well, that comes back from the beginning of the book. God made the world, right? And he created man in his image. He made man unique. So God created man, Genesis says, in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him, and God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion. I want you to be my image bearers, my little gods in the world. Wow. We were made to be God's image bearers, representatives of him on earth. The problem is we didn't make it very long, did we? <laughs> like two pages into this thing, this image was deformed when we broke from God and turned our own way. As opposed to being his image bearer, we wanted to be our own image bearer. We broke it. But now in Christ, we are being restored, which means the Spirit is restoring that shattered image so that we can increasingly represent the real nature of God to the world. Jesus perfectly imaged God by loving and serving and sacrificing and laying down his life. Who is God? What does he look like? He looks like this. And the more we soak in Jesus, the more he will drip out of us. So then we walk around, we leave puddles of Jesus. It infects the world around. And we do this as disciples of Jesus. 
who then turn and point others to him. We, we don't invite people to come be disciples of us. Do we get that? I think we miss that sometimes. It's not come and be a disciple of me. Please don't be a disciple of me. Be a disciple of him. I am a disciple of him. Please, do you see him? Is he beautiful? Be a disciple of him. We are called to be disciples and then making us ambassadors. Ambassadors of what? All right? Paul puts it this way. This is in 2 Corinthians 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. God leads us by his spirit and communion with his word for his mission. We've talked around this, but none of this completely answers the question, to what is he leading us? That's a pretty important question when we're asking about leadership. This isn't explicitly stated in the text, but it is the point of the text, and it's kind of the point of the whole Bible. Where is God leading us? So you look back at the first part of the book, the Old Testament, and after the first man and woman broke from God, they had to leave the garden, right? The place where they had what? They had walked with God, right? Now, the whole book after that is about God pursuing us and working to lead us where? To, well, we get to Israel. He's leading them to the promised land, right? Which was a placeholder and a representative for what? For being with God. God may have some great things for us. Does God have great plans for this community? Yes, he does. He will lead you, and he will lead you well. But what is the greatest thing that he has to offer? <laughs> yes! He may be leading us places, but ultimately God is leading us to himself. You don't have to wonder. Don't wonder what your vision is. He's given it to you. Don't wonder where he's leading you. He's telling you. He's leading you to the God described in the Bible, the God who created all things the, by the word of his mouth, who is complex and transcendent, and yet he's imminently personally present. The God who revealed himself as Yahweh, the great I am, who now through Jesus has further revealed himself as one God in community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, a community of perfect love I can so often get focused on where God is leading me, right? What, what is he gonna give me? Where does he want me to go next? What does he want me to do next that I can lose sight of the fact that in it all, every place that he leaves is temporary. It's secondary. He's about leading us back to where we once walked with God and to a future reality that John describes in the book of Revelation. So the end of Revelation, chapter 21, right? New heavens and new earth, new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. And it says this. It says, I heard a voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He is dwelling with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. As we seek specifics of where God may be leading us, let's not be, get, be distracted. Don't get distracted. Lots of questions that need to be answered. Let's don't be distracted. Let's be recentered on this. God is leading us right now, right now. Don't wonder. He's reading, uh, leading us right now to himself. From that center, he will direct you. 
promise. How? How does, how does all of this work? How does God lead us to himself? Okay, before we throw out the good Sunday school answer, think about the text, right? Acts chapter one that we're reading. Why is this account even recorded? Why is this diverse group of 120 people gathered in some upper room? They were gathered together. What, what, was it, what, the, what, what connected them? I mean, why? Why this? Well, Luke, who's the author, he says, in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Oh, okay. Then Luke recounts how Jesus instructs them to wait for the helper, then he leaves. And from there, since Jesus wasn't physically present with them, Peter said they must replace Judas with someone who had, quote, accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. What centered this group? Jesus, like really, not just a good Christian religious answer, this was the thing, the only thing that centered them. The good news of his good work, Jesus was their centerpiece, nothing else. Why is this so important? Because God is leading us to himself through Jesus. They were and we are gathering around him only. You, okay, please understand the words that I'm about to say. You have a senior pastor. He has gone nowhere. His name is Jesus. Because of him, we have access to the Father. Because of him, the spirit that unites us to God is poured into us. And it's not just knowing interesting facts about Jesus. It is an experiential relational knowledge that compels us to center our life and to center our community around him. As the Messiah, this rescuing king, he came not to conquer and to condemn as we deserved. He came to be conquered and to be condemned though he was undeserving. This is the one who centers us. Out of all the things that are so compelling about Jesus, and the list is long, it is his love executed on a cross that washes us toward him. The good news, this gospel is a true story of God becoming man so that through his own suffering and resurrection, he could restore man to God. Getting rid of our guilt and shame. Guaranteeing the the birth of a renewed kind of humanity, a new kind of community who would joyfully carry his mission of restoration into the world and who would one day see his goodness and his shalom overcome all of our destruction and our division. Do you long for that day? Ache? Yes, please clap. I long for the day. He wants to give us glimpses right now. He wants to lead us by a spirit in communion with his word for his mission to himself all through Jesus as we center and continually recenter on him. Let's pray. Father, we understand that there are so many things that, that center our lives maybe that we don't even see and recognize. And so your invitation to us is to listen and to be led back to you. 
And then, Lord Jesus, as you recenter us, you will lead us to the Father. The ultimate goal of all of this. And along the way, you're going to reveal to us the paths that we need to take. Lord Jesus, your servants are listening. Please speak. For we ask this in your name. Amen. Beauty, oh goodness, one of the multi multitude of beauties of Jesus' community. Um, because this is just messy, right? Community is just messy. The only reason for us to be together is that there is something greater than ourselves that are going to center us. Jesus offers himself as that. We come to, we're about to come to a table. And in that, because we're going to take communion. And at that table is everything that we need to see and hear. Why? Because Jesus gives us his body and his blood. He says, consume me. What, what better illustration could he say to us that he is everything that we need than eat my body and drink my blood? And my encouragement and challenge, if you are challenged to us today, is if you are here and you are not a follower of Jesus, if Jesus hasn't washed you to himself, please don't offend your own conscience. Because what we do when we eat the bread and we drink the, the wine is we're proclaiming this is our center and our king. And if that's not where you are, we don't want you to offend your own conscience. On the night that the Lord was betrayed after he took bread, he broke it and he said, this is my body that's been given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it, again, in remembrance of me. As often as we eat of the bread and we drink of the wine, we proclaim the Lord's death that centers us until he comes again. The way that we will do this is the ushers will come forward in just a moment with the bread. Please take that as you receive it. And then they will come back in with the cup. And at that time, if you would hold it, and we will take the cup all together. Father, Son, Spirit, you are a mystery, but yet you are captivating. Lord Jesus, thank you that you have not left us alone. You have come to accomplish a mission for us so that we must just receive so that we might be ambassadors. You have poured out your spirit on us that unites us not only to each other but to yourself. And you have revealed the love of the Father. As we eat and we drink, may we consume that love. For we ask this in your name. Amen. There are so many things in life that try to capture our hearts and our minds and our imaginations. So many things that want to center us and they will all destroy us except for one. So as we go into not only this week, but we go over the next several weeks, allow God to speak into your life. Open yourself up for him to challenge what might be those other centers that are captivating you. And may he show you that Jesus is better. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us go forth to serve the world as those who have been loved by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.